Welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora, and this week we're joined by Justine Solheim. He's the CEO of Health and Wellbeing at Unilever with over 30 years of experience at the company. Justine, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's, it's great fun to be here. Good to be with you. So you've had a variety of roles at Unilever over the course of your career. For eight years until 2018, you were the CEO of Ben & Jerry's. What was it like transitioning from ice cream to wellness? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, uh, I must admit, after all these years, I still always get introduced as the former CEO of Ben & Jerry's, which I, I think is great fun. It is a, it's an interesting transition. I do think ice cream brings a lot of joy brings a lot of mental health. It's a great supporter in, in so many ways, you know, but it is nice to pivot to the, the cutting edge of health and well-being and really focusing on supporting uh, people, humans on their, on their own individual uh, well-being journey. Uh, and that's what makes me really excited about this industry, about this area and about our business. Before we go any further, I have to ask, what is your favorite Ben & Jerry's flavor? Oh, perfect. We, uh, yeah, I, I first came across Ben & Jerry's. I was living in Europe, in the Netherlands. And uh, it was in 2000 when Unilever acquired the business. I was nowhere near it. And, uh, and somebody said to me at the office, oh, we bought this really funky business uh, in Vermont. And uh uh, you know, there's some products. So I took home a Chunky Monkey, a pint of Chunky Monkey. And me and my wife sat on the sofa and we we uh, uh, chunk surfed with our spoons, digging out the chocolate chip pieces and the banana flakes. And uh, so that is still for me, the, you know, the most favorite flavor. It just always brings back the memory of my first Ben and & Jerry's. And uh, it's just ice cream has a lot of nostalgia in it. And for me, that is still my favorite flavor. Having said that, you know, we have done so many, many uh, great flavors. And I particularly like it when we use our flavors for impact. Uh, so we, you know, we launched our Save Our Swirled, which became the official flavor of COP21 in Paris. And, and we were like that partner in and around climate change. And we just use a lot of creativity and ice cream to, to, you know, bring a smile to a tough topic, but also influence the outcomes. Yeah, so fast forward from ice cream to health and well-being. The health and well-being division at Unilever is fairly new. What was the motivation for establishing it? Well, well well-being and, and, and uh, you know, has always been really central to Unilever. And in many ways, if you look at our business, uh, be it in, in, in the beauty side, Dove, you know, with its self-esteem and 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 mental well-being, uh, be it in our nutrition business, which is really looking at the base of of health and well-being, i.e., your diet. If you look at the intersection of all of these businesses, you kind of get into that vitamins supplement space. It really intersects the trends and the needs that we meet in the other parts of the business in a very specific way. So we see it very synergistically. My business is a sort of a standalone division or a business unit within Unilever, but we intimately then feed back and forth with the other businesses, uh, both on trends and, and how we can leverage the insights and the consumer relationship. So it really was central to Unilever. This was the opportunity to jump in and and really be part of the sort of the cutting edge of health and well-being. 
And most of your brand acquisitions so far have been in the supplement space. Yeah. Are you considering other product categories? We're trying to stay quite focused. The way that we think about it is probably not categories because you know, it used to be here's a category and those products define the category. Whilst, uh, you know, health and well-being is more of a, a lifestyle. You know, we are here to support people on their health lifestyle and how they incorporate that. We're not a sort of a problem solution business. We're really trying to integrate in people's lives and, and support them on their specific personalized journeys. So, we don't think about it as categories, which means, yes, in, you know, Nutrafol that just joined uh, uh, this year or last in 2022, you know, we're focusing on hair health. And, uh, and we do a very strong and, and scientifically, you know, validated regime of, uh, of VMS that supports healthy hair growth. Now, we also do a shampoo and a conditioner. We also do boosters. So that you could argue are in different categories, but it's all around supporting uh, the user on their health hair, on their healthy hair journey. Um, so not categories, but uh, but at the at the moment, you know what we're seeing is the the benefit spaces that we operate in are, are really growing. So you know we are really focused with with Ollie. You know it's on on sleep and stress. We're focused on beauty from within, things like Nutrafol. Ollie has a lot of, of things in that space as well. We're focusing on hydration or Hydration Plus with, uh, with Liquid IV, a very unique approach to, to functional hydration. Uh, we're focusing on kids and kids' health with, with Smarty Pants. We're focusing on nootropics, brain health, you know, with, with Onnit and, and Alpha Brain. And if I was going to look beyond these spaces, you know, the whole territory of women's health uh, is just a, it's a huge area of interest for us. And we're, we're, we're expanding within that space from our current portfolio. But that's also an area where we're looking to expand more aggressively. And of course, that intersects with beauty from within, but it's also a, a really unique uh, space uh, and, and a really important space, which is a really cut underserved area. Um, that we are excited about. And you've reported that turnover for health and well-being is already at more than 1 billion euros a year. What areas of health concern are driving the most sales so far out of the ones you've listed? Well, we were very pleased with the overarching performance and it's gone really fast. you got to remember, we started this journey in 2018 uh, by acquiring Equilibra in Italy, which is a natural health brand, which bridges between supplements, vitamins, and beauty products. And then Ollie joined us in 2019. And then, you know, we, we went through the, the journey from there with Smarty Pants, uh, Liquid IV, Welly, uh, Onnit, and then uh, Nutrafol. So it's gone really, really fast uh, uh, from a very little... Uh, to, to well north of a billion. I would say, you know, companies like Liquid IV with its approach to, to functional hydration, it's very inclusive, uh, sort of fuel your play versus sort of hardcore performance, but scientifically backed and high impact product. You know, that's more than 4 x since we acquired it in 2020. So a huge growth momentum uh, out of the, the functional hydration space. Uh, 
Ollie with sleep, stress, uh, and, and a platform approach where, you know, you can really personalize, you know, I'm, I'm, I take the women's multi, but I'm concerned about my skin right now. So I'll take a, a you know, a, a skin one. They bring joy. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a real nice thing. It's something you look forward to taking, you know, because a lot of people want to take vitamins to support their health journey, but they forget or they don't comply. So having something that you really enjoy, something that is so pretty that it can kind of, it can sit on your countertop and, uh, and you know, it's there to remind you. That's been really, really strong. So Ollie has been a phenomenal uh, success. And of course, uh, the, the, the last but not least with Nutrafol, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really powerful product, a very big need, about 114 million Americans uh, you know, suffer from some form of of hair health issues and and or hair thinning, and um, so that's a that's a huge area when you can bring real help to that space, uh, product, offer products that have a true impact. Uh, that's that's been really really powerful, and when you combine that with a sort of empathy or the the understanding of the journey that each individual is on. And some of the anxieties and 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 taboos that that come with that, uh, that's that's created a really really strong relationship with their users and a really strong growth uh, trajectory. Yeah, I thought we could talk more about Nutrafol. Can you walk us through the growth potential you saw in that brand as the latest acquisition? Yeah, Nutrafol is 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 really unique in that uh, Nutrafol is really born. Uh, in the dermatology channel, you know, Nutrafol, uh, I, I asked the founders, I said, when do you realize that you'd cracked it? And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't in a fashion show or, uh, you know, in a store. It was at a, a dermatology conference where they presented their scientific white paper and it created a massive buzz and people were lining up to talk to them. And that's when they realized, hey, I think now, We've understood this. We're bringing something new to the science of hair health. And then they converted that into a really powerful direct-to-consumer platform where you can both, you know, take a quiz. You can really get a better understanding of uh, of, uh, how you holistically can address your hair health. Uh, And through that, you know, because you need to, this is a product that you need to take for about three months before you really feel the impact. So you have to be really committed and you have to really understand the journey you're on. Uh, so uh, so that's built out really, really successfully. And I really believe in, in companies that have a, a really strong relationship with their users, a really strong one-to-one relationship, uh, you know, that have enough data uh, that we share together in our, in our very strict privacy and, 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 and working relationship. But that allows the company to really support the individual and tailor their offering. So, you know, most of the business is centered around the four items, which is a women's, a postpartum, and a a, a sort of menopause space, a women's balance. So these three life stages uh, of women's hair health and then a men's skew. Those items, those four items are kind of the core of the business. We just announced we're launching a vegan version for for people that are on a vegan diet often get other strains in their in their uh, uh, nutrient 
deficiencies potentially that this uh, vegan-specific item will, will help address. But then we're allowing on top of that to build that other support things. You know, how do you use a shampoo which further builds the health of your hair follicles? Uh, uh, if you have an issue with particular issues, be it stress, uh, be it uh, uh, a specific vitamin deficiency, be it collagen, we have targeted boosters that can really help build that out. But to, to do all of that, obviously, you need to engage with each user in quite a granular way. And that's where I really see the future potential of this. It's such a huge need space. And we have a really potent product and we have a really deep understanding of how we can support people on that journey. And what's the process for supporting scientific studies? Do you get involved with the brands on that or are they on their own with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We have a very unique operating model. I mean, we're very young still, uh, but I, I really believe that, uh, uh, you know, I believe in the company model. I believe in, in brands that are companies that have real humans that live there purpose, their values, their mission that are there, fully focused on serving their users. But then underpinning those companies, we have the capability platforms. So we are building out a series of platforms that the companies can tap into that are in service of the company's service of the company's users. Uh, Science and technology is, is one aspect of that. Regulatory, you know, we need to meet highest integrity, high transparency of our products. So really strong platforms around regulatory and, and, and claims and, and legal. Uh, and then IT, we really believe that, you know, a, a common tech backbone will help us accelerate faster at each company to be liberated to really focus on what makes a difference. So we are building out and supporting the companies around those big things. We have a dedicated team that does clinical studies. We have a, a you know a different aspect of the big pillars of science that we want to try to address together. But it's very fluid. It's, a, it's, a, it's very fluid between the companies. It's a very collaborative model. But at the heart of it, it's still the individual companies. And as a beauty podcast, we definitely have to go into more detail on beauty. Health and well-being falls under the broader category of beauty and well-being at Unilever. What was the thinking in making that structure for the company? Yeah, we, we have just uh, really shifted Unilever into this uh, business group uh, model where each business group, instead of being a matrix of regions and categories, we now have business groups that have end-to-end -end responsibility. And, and in some ways, uh, uh, health and well-being was a forerunner to this model because we are an end-to-end -end global business unit reporting into beauty and well-being. Uh, and just like we have a prestige beauty uh, a business unit, you know, with Dermalogica, Murad, uh, Paula's Choice, that is an end-to-end -end business unit globally reporting into beauty and well-being. So th the logic here was that there's clearly a huge overlap in terms of the consumer trends, in terms of how we address the needs. Uh, so it was the most synergistic 
uh, area, but it's still sufficiently different that we keep it separate but together. So, uh, so the way I, I like to treat uh, Unilever as a sort of a, a big uh, capability partner and, and what we have the joy of doing now in this new structure is we're able to pick from Unilever the elements of synergy, capabilities, and knowledge that we want. But, you know, like many big companies, you also have dis-synergies of scale. And we're able to distance ourselves from where it doesn't make, a, make sense. Uh, so for us, it was very natural to put health and well-being, uh, prestige, together with the overarching beauty uh, business. And we've heard so much about this concept of beauty from within over the years. How much has wellness culture transformed the beauty industry? I hope it has transformed the beauty industry quite a bit. I'm a, I'm a big believer in beauty as a, as a, as a mode of self-expression as a mode of supporting your health, your, your sort of overarching well-being, your mental well-being. And I think this fusion of, and this recognition that beauty and health starts from diet, movement, nutrition, uh, is, is really powerful. And I think it, it really supports a, a, a healthy, less biased, less stereotype, typical uh, uh, beauty uh, approach. So I'm, I'm excited about the fusion of the wellness into beauty and beauty into wellness. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if you look at our, our business like a liquid IV, you will see a lot of the approaches of beauty marketing uh, in, in liquid IV. You know, it's, it's, it's very approachable. It's very much about a lifestyle. It's very much about expressing yourself. It's very much about addressing your own needs. So uh, I find this uh, uh, really exciting. I find it empowering. I think it empowers people to take control. I think the other aspect of it is mental health. It's hard to be healthy if, you're, if your mental health is, is challenged. And, and, and we are really... Uh, looking for how we bridge that gap as well. Yeah, and Nutrafol has been big on addressing women's hair loss and breaking the stigma of talking about that. How important is that in terms of driving growth for that category in terms of opening up about it? Yeah, I, personally, I think it's, it's, it's really important I also think you have to be very sensitive when you want to address taboos. Uh, you have to be very sensitive uh, and really understand your your rights to speak, uh, your perspective, how it's perceived by others. How can you be truly supportive? Um, th this can't be about selling more product because uh, if, if it is about selling more product, uh, it's not authentic, and, and I don't feel you really have the right. So we really try to separate that. We really try to be very pure about how can we address uh, the sort of the taboo around hair loss? How can we support people on that? If they then flip over and say, okay, here is a potential product solution, great. If they choose to go somewhere else, fine. You know, but it, it really is around how you how you bring real care and attention to it without mixing too much together the selling component uh, of it. I think it's the same for mental health. You know, Ollie is really embracing 
at mental health as their mission. And that starts at the company about, you know, radically prioritizing mental health at the workplace to see how that drives performance and growth of the company. And then taking those practices to the community and partnering uh, with different partners to see how we can build out uh, mental health support for our core users. Uh, and that's, that's really challenging because that's a whole new territory uh, and, and, and a very hot territory at the moment. Yeah, and then obviously you have such experience with corporate social responsibility initiatives from Ben & Jerry's. Are you taking some of those experiences over to the way you're running this division? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's uh, for, for us, you know, being authentic and purpose-led uh, really drives performance. I always say it had the P in purpose is performance. When, you, when you're coming in to work to, to be part of a solving bigger issues in, in society, the, the level of motivation, engagement, um, it's, it's just off the, off the map. That's what I saw at Ben & Jerry's, what I learned at Ben & Jerry's. Uh, and hence, the two things performing and, and driving social impact really work well together. Uh, now, again, if you want to do purpose right, you cannot mix selling, hard selling, into to achieving those goals. They have to be uh, appropriately separated, but they are connected in how we achieve our goals. Uh, so Ollie is really looking at mental health and their impact on mental health, has partnered with everything from the Jed Foundation uh, to Walmart. You know, we've done a huge program with Walmart to bring awareness around the, the youth suicide hotline uh, and, and other uh, supports that are available. Uh, Liquid IV has a massive, both a sort of a, a giveaway program. So they give away millions of, of products to first responders to, to areas that are hit by natural disasters, et cetera, to really support rehydration, you know, at the sort of cutting edge where it's medically needed, but also looking at water, water security. You know, all communities are centered around access to clean drinking water. Uh, so that's a very natural territory for Liquid IV to focus on how they can have their impact uh, in a sort of a total net zero uh, logic. So each each company in in our portfolio is really looking at what is their purpose, what's their mission, how do they have an impact not just on their users, but the community that their users uh, live in and in the planet that we all share. So it is it's, it's very integral to how we think about it. And you talked about nootropics. What do you think is driving so much buzz around that area these days? Is mental health part of that, or what do you think is driving the trend? That's a it's a great question. I think first of all, uh, you know, for for us, what I'm seeing, I'm using the products. It works, so it really helps. It helps to bring focus to calmness. Uh, so it really does support you on on that. In a, in a really tangible way. And like I'm a, I'm a big on it alpha brain user and it really helps me focus. Totally different from coffee and other sort of stimulants. It's a real focus driver. So that's, that's a big part of it. I do think though that the focus in and around mental health, the focus around how we feel, the focus around 
ADHD and other things that can get in people's ways, which is which is kind of uh, it's not just that you know I'm not able to concentrate. There are things going on, and we're getting much more conscious around that. And I think that means that people are much more open to look for uh, solutions for things that can support them and help them on their own individual journeys. So I do think they are related. I think there's increasing sensitivity around understanding our mental well-being, our abilities to focus and how we use our brain was kind of like, that wasn't, that was something, you know, if you weren't sick, you were supposed to be fine, you know? And I think now we, we moved beyond that. And there's a, there's a clear role for tools that help people on those journeys. And that kind of leads me to thinking about your plans for international expansion. Obviously, globally, there's such a digital attention economy with everyone in the world using smartphones constantly. Do you think the trends that you're seeing in the U.S. market are similar to other global markets that you're looking at? Or what are the different health concerns in each market? That's a, that's a great question. I think our fundamental baseline uh, concept of health does vary by culture. Each culture brings its own history, its own philosophy, its own diets, its own rituals. So, so that, that part, that context, you do have to understand uh, as you expand. But obviously the human body kind of functions in the same way and the needs uh, and the pain points are extremely similar uh, across the world. Uh, You know, if I look at in our area, hair health is a shared concern across the globe. The level of, you know, willingness to discuss it varies by culture. You know, I think in America, you know, within the African-American community, much more openness to discuss hair health and much all the aspects of hair health. In China, again, much more openness of discussion around hair and hair health uh, versus maybe in, uh, in the US and some places in Europe. So there's differences, but that's a huge need state. It's global uh, and, and, and should be addressed. Hydration, of course, is, a, is the fundamental underlying uh, driver of our performance. It's it's uh, it's large across the world, so so we really see that as a as a big as a big opportunity, and then I think all the other elements are a little bit more nuanced, uh, but I'm I'm very excited about bringing the insights and the learnings uh, from uh, from the U.S. businesses to the rest of the world. I think there's a lot to be learned there, and I do think that to your point, which I think is sort of one of the cruxes of the matter, the digitalization of everything. The fact that even if you're shopping in store now, very few, very few Gen Zers or, or, or millennials would ever buy, you know, a, a, a new product for $15 that they haven't checked up on their phone and, and figured out exactly what it does, et cetera. And, and, you know, our sort of strategy is to, to work in that intersection between, you know, hardcore science, real personalization or benefit platform led so you can really access it and transparency, which really lends itself to digitalization. And that, we, that trend goes around the world. You know, if you look at a, a mom in China, 
she will spend a disproportionate amount of time researching what she's going to give her child. It's uh, like she will spend probably a couple of days before she will really decide exactly which vitamin regime she's going to go for. So there, the digitalization allows us to share a whole host of information uh, behind our products, behind the science, behind our products. Uh, so that's really exciting. So, uh, so also we do see big global opportunity and we see that the cultures are different. You need some tailoring, but some of these platforms are, are very shared across the whole world. Yeah, do you think different healthcare systems impact the cultural conceptions of health in each country? I'm thinking of the U.S. Are people more anxious about their health here or more focused on optimizing because of higher healthcare costs? What do you think? That's a great question. And uh, it, it, clearly the, the overarching theme for everyone is empowerment. I want to be in charge of my own health. I want to optimize my own outcomes. Uh, health is not the absence of disease. You know, health is I am positively feeling good. And that I think is pretty global. I think the, uh, the urgency uh, might vary a little bit if people are really scared. We saw, of course, in, in during COVID, there was a, a huge bump and, you know, immunity solutions, et cetera. People were anxious and did not want to fall into uh, to the, the, the disease side. It was scary. And that drove a higher level of compliance and engagement in, in some ways. Uh, so I do think that the impact of the healthcare systems is, is more subtle. Uh, uh, I do think the trend of taking control of your health and well-being uh, and, and, and not thinking of yourself as healthy just because you're not sick. Uh, that is a global trend, and we're seeing that everywhere. And that's something that people everywhere aspire to. What age group is your biggest source of customers right now? You know, our, our business is really anchored in millennials and Gen Zs. Uh, and, and, you know, we're 50-50 online and in-store. And, and what we're seeing is, is that generation is really engaged and are, are really, I always say Gen Z is going to be the most well-informed generation ever. They just have a level of curiosity and access to information and willingness uh, to go there and figure it out. They have an incredibly sensitive bullshitometer, uh, which I think is extremely healthy. Uh, so... You know, I see the Gen Cs, they're influencing. They, of course, are influencing the millennials and they're influencing my generation. So we are seeing the shifts across generations. But our anchor at the moment is in millennials and Gen Cs. And then we're sort of branching up uh, from there. I will say hair health is such a broad uh, age spectrum that that's, a, that's really just more anchored in the need versus an age group. And what is the role of online sales for supplements these days? When you talk about 50% being online, is that mostly wholesale or is there a D2C opportunity oh, yeah. here, especially with yeah. subscription models yeah. and that sort of thing? 
Yeah, no, I mean, when I uh, when I say online, I, I mean that either direct to consumers, Amazon, or you know, Target, Walmart.com, uh, etc. Um, so, you know, I I see uh, a great need for for physical shopping as well, for for the ability to to browse, to experience, to touch and, and feel. I see that increasingly in our category where we are selling, you know, products that are maybe more complex to understand, that people do that with their phone in their hand uh, and, and, and they're figuring it out and they're getting informed. Um, so I think the, 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 the sort of explosion in, in online, it's just allow us to share a lot more information really efficiently with the buyer and, and in a complex category in a category backed by different types of science and you know where you're trying to really figure out what it is that you need I think that's a benefit uh, it doesn't mean that, that in-store is not important it is but I think it's a benefit for VMS to have that direct relationship with that ability to engage with, with, in a, in a, and meet the user at the level of granularity that they want to go to. So looking ahead to the future of this division, you've been acquiring about one to two brands a year. Is that kind of the pace you're looking at going forward? Yeah, I mean, we are, we're definitely uh, looking to expand uh, further, uh, both organically and, and through acquisitions. We have a very, very strong organic growth with the business that we have. Uh, we have uh, very uh, strong uh, performances. Um, you know, we to, to acquire one company, we typically engage with about 60. Uh, so uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very big funnel. Uh, we are constantly looking for people that do amazing and unique things. And, uh, and, uh, and there's a lot happening in our industry. So... Uh, so we are definitely looking to expand further. And what are the categories and health trends and concerns on your radar for future acquisitions? Yeah, when, when I'm looking at the science now and where where is the science making really big progress, which means that we can, you know, really bring powerful benefits to uh, to consumers and users. Uh, the the area of the microbiome. Uh, is, is, is really exploding in our knowledge, learning, and understanding. Uh, not just the gut microbiome, which is super powerful, but the face, arms, hair, you know, we have, it's a, it's a really interesting area of science, which I think is a lot of really powerful products that we can bring into that space. Uh, I do think women's health uh, is a very powerful space, and there's a lot of work going in to sort of supporting all the different life stages and addressing some of the taboos again in women's health uh, that, uh, that are not talked about uh, where we can really help and support. Um, beauty from within is, uh, is, is again, is, is we're getting a lot of learning. Collagen, of course, has been like the big, people are eating a lot of collagen, but there's a lot more uh, to, to beauty from within, both hair, skin health, uh, etc. That that we we really believe there's more more potential there, and then I guess the area which we haven't looked at yet really is longevity or 
I like to call it healthy years versus longevity. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think people necessarily want to live forever, but they want to live for as long as possible in a healthy state. And there's a lot of science going into that uh, at the moment. And the question is, when does that? When can we have products that truly help and support and, and drive impact in that space? Uh, we haven't found that yet, but I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, we've seen more and more supplements hitting the market that are in that longevity space. Yeah. When do you think that will reach a point where those would be um, viable for the company? No, I think there's. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things happening uh, there. I think also. You know, artificial intelligence is is really helping us do diagnostics much faster and and to drive some of these uh, uh, both sort of medical developments as well as the VMS uh, uh, developments. Um, I'm particularly excited about the intersection of that science and diagnostics. So, you know, because I do think as we age, we need to get very targeted uh, around what it is that I need, where my, my deficiencies are. Uh, so uh, I feel diagnostics are not there yet. There's a lot out there. They're not there fully yet. Uh, and the science on longevity has come up with some really, really interesting hypotheses. I want to see a little bit more clinical proof points uh, come through, but, uh, but there's definitely big momentum there. Um, and I think that's going to spill into VMS. It's also going to spill into traditional medicine. So just a final question for today. You've had so many acquisitions and you're looking at future acquisitions. What do you think of in-house brands? Is there any interest in developing an in-house brand or is it going to be focused solely on acquisitions? You know, our, our focus in-house is to develop the brands that we have and take them to the right adjacencies and the right uh, uh, spaces. Uh, so we see a huge expansion opportunity in each one of these businesses to take on uh, adjacencies and new opportunity spaces. Uh, I have found personally that, you know, Entrepreneurs uh, and, and, and a group of single-minded, focused, no constraints uh, uh, startups are a really efficient vehicle for getting new things off the ground. Uh, can we launch things internally? Yes, we've shown we can. Uh, but but I, I'm, uh, I have a healthy amount of respect uh, for the entrepreneurial process, for the energy uh, and the focus that comes out of that. So, uh, so I, I'm, uh, I'm maybe not answering your question. I'd even say I find the the buying process is a very effective process for us because that first phase is not necessarily what we're the best at, and maybe others are better at. Once you get to a certain scale, then we can add a lot of value. Well, Yostin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great. And we look forward to seeing what's in store for your division in the coming year. Uh, watch this space. Really nice to talk with you. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week.